Hello, welcome to the last Wednesday of the week. That's right, we are now into episode two of season two. We join us on the last Wednesday of the week where we discuss things that have excited us. The week just gone. We get into some meaty middle topics. And of course, we get delighted about what's to come in the week ahead of sport. So join me, Dan, my colleagues, Simon and Ben on this, the last Wednesday of the week. Gentlemen, welcome back. We made it. We're officially into season two and we're not a one hit wonder in season two. And Simon, before you start, I don't want any Debbie Downers on our second season syndrome like you brought up last week. Sheffield United, mate. That's what we are. (laughs) Sheffield United. (laughs) Okay, Ben, how are you? Tremendous. Yeah, excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, I'm just uh, loving the podcast, loving how smooth it is. We never seem to have technical issues on this show. We're just absolutely <laughs> sailing, sailing through our recording nights. Uh, what a pleasure. Uh, Sai, any comment on that? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, you really need to get your sound sorted, man. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, well, it's a joy to be speaking with you both again. Uh, let's not delay. Let's get into it. Um, and before we do, if you want to get in touch with us on the show, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at WednesdayPod on each of them. Join the conversation. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear. Or just tell us that you love us. Be kind. You know, that's what we're here for. Share the love. Um, Simon, talk to us. What's kept you excited over the last week of sport? Well, I'm just really happy to be on, you know, here with you guys on the multiple orgasm of uh, of sports (laughs) podcasts. This is the thing. So last season it was segues and this 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 season is what multiples of what Uh, we can be. It's going to get really difficult. But I even had a tagline. It's going to give you bouts of pleasure followed by a sense of shame and soreness. So So it's like eating a McDonald's. Exactly like eating a McDonald's. (laughs) Um, hopefully with no tapeworm at the end of it. Oh, I, I should, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't slag off McDonald's. You know, McDonald's. I don't know what their tagline is. Um, Sorry, they don't yeah. sponsor us. We can say what we want. Oh, that's true. I, I did, we did have a potential pitch, but I'm going to save that for another week. But yeah, because we all obviously, right. you know, we're going to earn some big bucks for all this. Um, so yeah, big big things happened this week. So NFL preseason, I think, is one thing that's really excited me. Um, once again, very little we can do to um particularly glean much from it apart from look at the rookies so it's a mixed bag again for the rookie quarterbacks which is what basically everyone tunes in for uh, justin fields nearly got killed his head nearly got knocked off ben i don't know if you saw that it was no no i didn't brutal. see it at all brutal 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 if you can get a chance to see it horrible no protection whatsoever for our franchise savior so that's great uh, so is this just a heavy heavy tackle or, or was it yes. like someone on on with like you know, garrote wire and chainsaws. Was it a mix with the AEW? Or was it just a heavy tackle? It was a bit of both. There were there were garroting and, and chainsaws involved as well. No, effectively, what happened is in the NFL, quite rightly, they obviously try and protect the head. Uh, the Buffalo um, pass rusher decided to absolutely destroy Justin Fields. Knocked his helmet probably a good three or four yards away from his body, um, and he just got back up and got on with it, which is crazy. But yeah, not not great protection for him ultimately a bit sad um but yeah other other quarterbacks trey lance is the media darling at the moment despite being sacked twice and uh throwing an interception everyone seems to be waxing lyrical about him despite this for some reason i'm really not overly impressed by him and ed on my other podcast on uh shutdown coverage is also very very um not impressed with him either but yeah he's the media nfl media darling at the moment uh 
Mac Jones. Sorry, Ben, I will get to you in a second. Mac Jones, Mr. Consistency, solid. Not the overly spectacular, not throwing for big, you know, huge throws, but, you know, keeping it solid, keeping the offense ticking over. And, I mean, he's looking like he's going to overtake Cam Newton very early doors. I don't know what you thought, Ben. No, I don't. I don't think Matt Jones will start. I think Cam Newton is uh, confident that he'll definitely be starting the first run of games. Uh, we'll see a completely different outfit there, mm. um, the Gillette Stadium this year. Uh, with regards to the, the tough tackles in the NFL, in the in soccer, uh, for want of a better word, um, we don't see big tackles. Football, yeah, we're talking about NFL, American football, <laughs> so I thought I'd mix it up. Mix it up, Dan. Um, we we rarely see big tackles in preseason because they're such you know such valuable players. We can't have players injured for the whole season. But yeah, NFL. The highlights I've seen of this preseason have been insane. I watched a Bills game the other day; uh, they dominated. But just just uh, real strong, strong uh, tackles. Why why is that the case, NFL, or is this is this not normal? Well, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, these guys are a lot of these guys who are playing these games. So that the big starters usually aren't risked for obvious reasons. Um, you want to get guys get some reps. If you start going in it half-heartedly, you might end up sneaking into those bad habits the regular season. But to be perfectly honest, and I'll probably mention this a bit later as well in during our um, week to come, the a lot of these players are playing for roster spots. So, you know, 35, 40 of these players on each team are going to not be having a job come uh, the end of the last game. So probably Monday morning, I'll have no job. So, um, you know, they've got to impress. They've got to do everything they can to try and, and stand out. And if that's tough tackling, if that's, you know, doing everything they can, as long as it's within the rules, then they've got to make that good impression. So you're going to have guys flying around. It's uh, it's not like a friendly because in a friendly in football, all these guys are guaranteed a job and they're just trying to get their fitness up, you know, try and uh, try out a few new moves and stuff. NFL, it's different. A lot of these guys are actually playing for their careers. So, yeah, they're, they're going to be flying around doing everything they can do to stand out. Thanks, Si. Um, what else you got for us? You've got some... Uh, well, let, before we carry on with you, you, you've got a bit of a disclaimer, which is you're, you're kind of a bit distracted. You're multitasking, which we know we're terrible at, but you've got an eye on half, half a job tonight. And why is that, Si? Yeah, well, it's the start of the... Um, what is it still called the Carabao Cup? That's terrible. I, I'm watching it and I don't even know the name of the cup anymore. Coca-Cola Cup. Coca-Cola it, Cup. We're going back to the old school. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Villa won that twice, but you know, who's who's counting? Um, so <laughs> Villa fans. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's our last major trophy was in 1996, so that's great. Um, so overall, yeah, it's uh, Barrow. Um, where is Barrow? I don't know. The only Barrow I know has a wheel in front of it, but uh, they are playing uh, Villa, and Villa are 3-0 up at the time. So yes, I am exceedingly distracted right now, so I do apologize to the listing millions uh, around the world i i am a terrible unprofessional asshole it has been noted um but what else have you got for us with your other eye side what have you had your eye on my third eye quote game <laughs> of thrones um so uh the other thing i had to talk about and, and ben will probably want to talk about this as well because we both highlighted this is the free-for-all that was marseille versus nice so a little bit of back note to this um Ex-Premier League player Dimitri Payet uh, and various other players throughout the game were pelted by bottles of water from the Nice fans behind the main stand. I think it's, I can't remember the name of the stand, but it's, I think it's where they, the equivalent of their hardcore fans sit. Um, and they were pelted for the whole game. Uh, Dimitri Payet got hit again and proceeded to throw a bottle back into the stands, which not exactly the smartest idea in the world, but I suppose if there's a frustration level, then I mean... 
it, it's not an ideal situation. Uh, then it was followed by a massive brawl between both sides and a pitch invasion where fans started attacking the Marseille players. Uh, Gwendozi of Arsenal had uh, strangle marks around his neck. Uh, Dimitri Payet had scratch marks on his back. Um, yeah, so a horrible situation. The game was delayed for 90 minutes. Um, the ref asked if the players wanted to come back and complete the game. Nice did come out, but... And to be perfectly honest, I completely understand it. Marseille did not. They refused to come back and complete the game because they considered it an unsafe working environment. And if you see the actual highlights, and Dan, if you've not seen it, I recommend it to you. I have seen it. I mean, yeah. it was about, what, 10 stewards trying to hold back, you know, yeah. 100-odd fans from invading the field. Uh, the captain of Nice was begging fans to to get back into the stands. It was just a horrible situation. And, um, you know, what did you think of it, Ben? Well, it was shambolic. Uh, shambolic scenes. Um, I think, uh, interestingly, we had a lot of Twitter conversation uh, about this in the, uh, the beginning of this week. And what's surprising is the amount of people that were in, in uh, Payet's corner saying that he was right to retaliate. Now, I mean, maybe I'm old school, but retaliation is something you were taught very early on. That's not what you do. I know we all do and et cetera, but Payet, he got, he got crushed in the back of the school by this clear beer bottle. I mean, I'm amazed he didn't go down, but to start throwing bottle uh, uh, bottles back into the crowd, come on, Dimitri. I mean, you don't do that. Just you, he, he took it from uh, a situation that should have been dealt with by the officials to a full-out brawl by throwing stuff back into the stadium. He just he just ignited the violence. Um, and I, I genuinely think it, it wasn't a popular opinion on Twitter, but I genuinely think Payet should receive uh, some form of ban. So uh, uh, understanding what, what you said earlier, because I saw that clip, but I hadn't understood the preceding barrage, <laughs> for want of a better yeah. word. Um, and... So, I, you know, at the end of the day, these people are, we've talked about this on the show before, these people are human, mm. you know, and they have human feelings, they have human tendencies. Um, emotions are high anyway during a game, right? Because they want to win. Um, and to be taunted like that throughout a game, I, I can I, I can forgive someone for, for retaliating. Yes, perhaps at a professional level, you know, uh, you probably should read the room. But at the same time, it should be throwing fucking bottles at the players, man. Mm. Ban every single one of them from the game next time and they shouldn't be back ever, full stop, no? Well, I mean, we could you can't also put the blame on him. The blame is on the fans, surely, yeah. fully. I mean, the referee has to shoulder some blame as well. But considering this apparently had been happening for basically most of the game, right? You know, it's an unacceptable for fans to throw anything. Never mind be continually throwing stuff throughout a game. It's it's an unsafe working environment for the players involved, and um, I believe that that section of fans have been banned for the next four games by one of the local authorities. But I mean, surely some of these guys can actually get seats in the other stadiums. So I don't really know if you're punishing these people too much. Um, it also happened. And I just found this out just before we came on air as well, that the, uh, it happened in the Montpellier Marseille game of the first game of the season as well. It's a very similar situation and the game had to be stopped in the 89th minute for a short period of time while it happened again. So obviously there's something about Marseille players who are an absolute magnet to bottles being thrown at them, but yeah. um, it's never acceptable. And you can't blame it on the pandemic and football is coming back and excitement. It's just plain stupidity, vandalism, uh, thuggery, really. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, there is a there is kind of narrative around Marseille not being liked by anyone else in the league. Um, Marseille themselves, the Marseillais, they don't refer to themselves as French. They're from Marseille, not France. So, you know, there's always drama, but but this was very much the Nice fans uh, that were the the uh, that causing the scenes, uh, the huge brawl. Pretty terrible. Yeah. Not not good for football after you know a week or two of the new seasons around Europe. Um, thanks for that. Let's move on to happier stories. Um, I don't I don't mean to make it so stark as to move away from football for happier stories. Um, but Ben, let's take us away from football for a little bit. And um, what have you got for us? Um, so what have I been watching? So as Vero sits apart, let's go to tennis. You know I like my tennis. You're going to hear these two names a lot. Uh, I've actually already mentioned them a few times on previous episodes as the possible successors to the big three, um, of which one third still needs toppling in the the name of Novak Djokovic, favourite for the US Open, which starts this week. Uh, yeah, Zverev, Alexander Zverev and Sitsipas, they played out arguably the match of the season in the Cincinnati semi-final. Uh, Zverev came out on top and he went on to beat another challenger called Rublev, um, another man who, who's possibly going to come through to take the crown of this big three. I mean, some of the tennis was sublime. It was in front of crowds again and... Uh, there was probably a, a period for two or three years where I was worrying about what's going to happen after Federer and Adal Djokovic. It's bright. Tennis is bright, both male and female. The whole of the sport is bright. Um, and like I say, we've got the US Open coming up, which I'll talk a bit about later on. Thank you very much. And Ben, uh, moving to sports again, you're all over the place. Uh, you have actually vowed today to keep this truly as the multi-car park story tool pleasure of sports podcasts whatever size calling it this week beautiful beautifully <laughs> um what else you got for us well, i mean size got to keep the listeners interested now that your segues have dried up for season <laughs> two <laughs> i didn't expect that you caught me off guard i didn't expect you to stop talking about tennis so soon Ben. <laughs> okay no i mean that was just a highlight listen that was just a highlight um we uh another highlight okay fanatic qualify for the world who are fanatic what world championships you ask league of legends uh the uh, online uh, esports game they beat g2 one of the biggest teams in the world in a thrilling five-game series. G2 have poached some of Fnatic's uh, best players over the last few years. This was kind of like an underdog story. Um, and the, the League of Legends World Championship starts later this year. Prize front, uh, price fund currently $2.3 million. Important to add on to the back of that, the news broke a couple of hours ago that the event has been moved from China to Europe due to the ever-ongoing pandemic travel restrictions and now we don't know where yet in europe could be in the uk fanatic are a uk-based team which would be absolutely wonderful league of legends i'll have more details hopefully next week of the date and venue because i want people to be watching this it is such an engaging sport whether you play league or not um, um ben you spoke in the past um about esports and i know that um as we mature in this podcast um and as we spread our wings into the uh, i don't know where i'm going with any of this frankly all i mean to say is we're going to talk about esports a lot more in the show as time moves on you and should then, 
Perhaps watch some highlights while you're in the pub before recording, Dan. <laughs> uh, Simon is cheering. Um, is that because of Ben's uh, trash talk or a Villa beating a team he's never heard of still? Y- yeah, go Fnatic. No, um, <laughs> Villa, Villa have just scored their fifth, so it's going well. Five go. goals against yeah. Barrow. Barrow, by the way, I believe a Lake District. Ah, beautiful uh, part of the world. their views, not their football. But well done, uh, Aston Villa. Is Ings playing tonight? No, no, they're playing the kids, mate. They're playing the, playing playing the, the kids. kids. The kids did a good job against us, actually, uh, yeah. a, a year ago. Uh, would, uh, on the back of that, we're not talking about uh, football much, I don't think, this this uh, this week. Uh, but I want to add that Ings looks incredible for Aston Villa. We should put him in my fantasy dream team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, I mean, I think he scored bicycle kick at the weekend. Is that oh, right? Absolutely. What scorcher. a player. What a signing. Uh, yeah, Villa in a good place. Mm. they are thank you for seeing Ben <laughs> I wish Liverpool were in a good place too uh, <laughs> and uh, a shout out to all three Villa fans who listen to the show um, Ben talk to us about the late great Kobe Bryant you've been watching some highlights so uh, a family member bought me a book for my birthday uh, I won't name which family member it was but um, he's a bit of a knob um, yeah he, he got me this book it's called the uh, the Mamba Mentality uh, by Kobe Bryant basically I've been watching for whatever reason maybe maybe my phone knows I've been talking about him it's been popping popping up all these Instagram and, and Twitter uh, videos um, I mean can you believe it's been 18 months since we lost this man in that truly horrific accident um and i saw a particular clip today uh, where i think he dislocated a finger his trainer came over popped his finger back in and you kind of saw him buckle at the knees through the pain and then on he went won the game another one he ruptured his achilles heel i mean f- for mere mortals when they rupture an achilles heel they don't get off the floor he managed to take a couple free throws tie the game before leaving the court so I want to ask this question. I've been watching so much about Kobe in the last uh, few weeks, actually. I- I'm loving his highlight reel, of which is it is exhaustive. Um, was he the most clutch guy in history, Simon? No, Michael Jordan's the most clutch guy in history. Quick, um, sharp, painful. Yeah, but I mean, he's a fantastic player. He was probably the first player post Jordan to have that kind of clutch real I mean obviously you had guys who hit clutch shots but that real next level the industry the work that he put in I mean he was 16th pick in the draft he wasn't like a, a top two or three pick he wasn't LeBron James number one you know he was the 16th pick he nearly went to Charlotte Hornets um but ended up in the Lakers um so yeah he's, he's a guy who's always worked hard don't think he's always been the best teammate he's very very difficult to work with at times like Jordan let's be honest if you've seen The Last Dance which is a fantastic documentary it really highlights the pressure that Jordan puts all his teammates under and it was the same with Kobe but you know fantastic player probably took too many shots probably could have passed the ball a bit more but yeah real real dedication mentality to his craft nobody worked harder he would outwork anybody there was no one in the gym shooting shots for as long as as Kobe Bryant during the last dance which again i'll echo that what a documentary on netflix during the last dance the directors and and film videographers uh, said that they they filmed uh, that series in three separate discussions with uh, the great michael jordan and they said that they felt pressure to to just bouncing off him to get Mm. things done to get the right questions asked to, to to feed off his emotions they felt the pressure i mean you know 
post long after his basketball career. Um, I think what team does he own, Michael Jordan? He owns the Charlotte Hornets, ironically. Oh, he does own. Okay, yeah. Mm. So I mean, he obviously still lives in that, lives in the world. But mm. uh, yeah, I mean, I would uh, implore anyone to uh, watch Kobe highlights as many as they can. Mm. Um, I am just quickly trying to Google it because um, I completely forgot the name of the basketballer that I um, recently listened to a podcast with, uh, and the very same thing came through. Um, I'll, I'll find it in a bit when you're, you're doing your meeting middle and uh, Simon you'll know them immediately but I've completely forgotten the name but it's on a Tim Ferriss podcast but the same thing came through which is you know he, he's someone that again was at the top of his game but it's it's the hardest worker in the room mentality mm-hmm. um, and it, it you see it time and time again in sport you know even with people like Ian Richards or, you know on the on the chat you know someone that has isn't a household name so to speak like Michael Jordan but he's still at the top of his game but it's it's the hardest worker in the room he was doing it after his family had gone to bed before they got up in the morning all that kind of stuff it shines through time and time again it's such a powerful message isn't it yeah and, and not shame just a bit <laughs> yeah I mean it's a horrible tragedy what happened and obviously we, we we mustn't glaze over the fact that it was also his daughter as well that died Terrible. during Terrible. that that and, and various i think it was about six other people as well so it's yeah, a horrible yeah. situation all around and, and a real tragedy uh for everybody but um going back to what we were saying about kobe um yeah one thing to say as well is it's uh i know some people won't necessarily agree with us about role models in sport but to have someone that you know uh, people could point at and say, you know, be like this guy. I'm not talking about. I mean, there was some very checkered history in, in terms of issues with the law, but just in terms of his work rate as a professional, being in the gym, always wanting to win. I mean, are very much qualities that really, you know, you'd want your children to be able to to, to glean. You know, to to be, uh, you know, as, as hardworking as dedicated as you can be to your craft. Chris Bosch is the name. Ah, Chris Bosch. Yeah, mm. fantastic podcast. And I'm, I'd, I'd meant to send mm. you the link uh, to listen to it. It's worth a worthy listen. Mm. Um, thanks for that, Ben. Um, and for me, uh, Ben, we spoke about it last week. Highlights for me the last weekend were the Le Mans, uh, 24 hours of Le Mans, 24 de Mans. Um, and what an event it was. I have to say, Ben, I don't know about you, but you know, we've been for a few years, you've been a few years longer than I have physically at, at the track at Circuit de la Salle. And, um, you know, before that watched a bit on telly here and there, but I think this weekend was probably the most that I've known what's going on for most of the 24 hours. You know, if you're at the track, you spend a lot of the time going, I don't know what the fuck's going on, <laughs> but I'm really enjoying it because there's a full course yellow or there's a yellow flag or something, but I have no idea why when you're listening and watching it on the telly you know what's going on and then i went for a run for a few hours and i was listening to it on the radio and the, the information you get from the commentators was phenomenal it was excellent coverage i have to say um so for those that don't know uh, 24 hours of le mans is uh, one of if not the greatest motorsports event in the world um it's one of the tri- the so-called triple crown uh, we talked about it on the show before. So uh, the Triple Crown being uh, 24 Hours of Le Mans. It's a motor race, car racing. Um, the Monaco Grand Prix in Formula One and the uh, Indy 500, Indianapolis 500, uh, the, the IndyCar racing. So there's only a handful of drivers that have done this. Uh, we've talked about it before. Um, but So it's a big event. Uh, it was the 89th running this year, so the 90th next year. 
And um, what was particularly um, notable of this year, uh, well, two things really. One is it was pushed back to August uh, because of COVID. Uh, So they ran it last year without a crowd. And this year they pushed it from June to August. It's typically held in June, pushed it to August to enable a crowd. And there was, there was 50,000 people there. Again, mentioned it last week, typically over 200,000 people there. But I have to say on the TV coverage, Ben, um, you could see how sparse it was at places, but during the finish in the beginning, actually the crowds along the grandstand, it was glorious to see. Yeah, well, I think those main four or five uh, grandstand, uh, grandstands rather opposite the start-finish trait and up towards the Dunlop uh, corner, um, yeah. the first kind of a chicane, uh, is probably only about 50, 60, maybe 70,000 capacity anyway. True. It's over the yeah. weekend where you get the sort of 250,000 yeah, yeah. numbers. And the, the campsites, the whole festival. Listen, Le Mans is incredible. I, I'll, I'll talk till I'm blue in the face about just how <laughs> good an event that is. Um, but yeah, I, I want to uh, agree with what you said there about the coverage. The Eurosport coverage was fantastic. It looked like they were doing two or three hour stints with the commentary, yeah, similar yeah. to what the drivers might be doing. Constantly up to date with it. And man, there was some big incidents from the first lap yeah. through till the later, uh, through till the early hours. And, and, and Dan, I noticed they have to deal with more dark two months after the solstice, two months yep. later than usual. Yep. It, it get, got dark a lot earlier and yep. it was a different Le Mans. Um, so- yeah, so the commentators made a really good point on that, and because um, they they themselves questions like, why can't we have it in August again? Does it potentially bring a bigger crowd? It's in the summer holidays typically for a lot of people, and um, of course it was held in June around the summer solstice because that's when the mo- there's the most amount of light. And they made the great point, which is, well, light technology has moved on leaps and bounds since the first Le Mans, so. Um, you know, there's an argument for it, but no, the date's been set. It's back on the 20, is it 21st, 22nd, something like that, uh, of June next year. Um, so it'll be back in the June window. But surely that would make sense because if you manage to nestle it perfectly in that F1 summer break, bearing in mind there's a massive crossover yeah. between Formula One fans and Le Mans yeah. fans, given it's yeah. motorsport uh, as the genre, yeah. why wouldn't they do that? But Agreed. And also, um, Nick DeVries, he was racing and he was the FE, Formula E champ as well. So he was racing. So it coincided with the end of that season. There was a lot of arguments for August, but tradition often wins out in sport, as we know. Um, but I've got a couple of things for you, a couple of stats, and then we'll move on because this is only a bit of highlights. But um, notable for two reasons. One was the move of date. Secondly, it was the first year of the hypercars, the hypercar class. So for those that don't know, there are four classes race at um, in World Endurance Championship. Uh, there is the um, what used to be LMP1. It's now hypercar. There's the LMP2. So both those classes are basically thoroughbred race cars, essentially. Hypercar slightly different now, but thoroughbred race cars. And then you've got the GTE, uh, Pro and the GTE Am, and they're essentially road cars. So typical looking Ferraris, typical looking Porsche, and that kind of thing. Um, well, not so typical, but uh, where do you live? <laughs> On the south coast, darling. Oh, okay, um, okay, yeah. <laughs> typical, just just normal life Corvettes rolling past. Oh, mate, I went around London yesterday, Kensington Hyde Park, and it's just like there's McLarens and G wagons and just. Were you were, were you at your holiday home yesterday? <laughs> no, I was in my city home, darling. Ah, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the hypercar series is really exciting so at the moment there are just five entries there's two toyotas 
and Alpine and to Glickenhaus. And what was remarkable about that is all five finished the race. Now, typically in Le Mans, there's quite a high attrition um, throughout the race, but all five in Glickenhaus have had nothing but trouble since that car came out and they finished Le Mans, which is a massive achievement, massive. Um, Alpine, but in two years' time, there's going to be Cadillac, Toyota, Peugeot, Porsche, Ferrari, Audi, BMW, Acura, Glickenhaus and Baikolis in the hypercar series with more making noises about coming in. So hypercar is set to be an exciting and fantastic class because of the homologation between hypercar what used to be lmp1 and le monde daytona which is the lmdh class as well from uh, is it imsa ben something like that anyway lots of excitement to come in le mans uh, but i want to tell you uh, two things uh, well two things that caught in the race ben um and then two and, and this is where i'll pull it back to football simon so you can tune back in someone say um, football what yeah. <laughs> uh, ben the start raining it's the only time it rained and it was the start of the race so they had to do a couple of laps behind the uh the lead car um or the safety car if you watch f1 they kind of start behind the safety car for a couple yeah, of laps it did rain did rain a little bit later on yeah, in the evening red hard well. uh yeah that's true but it, chaos the uh toyota nearly binned it well they did bin it uh but of course they managed to come back for a one-two because toyota um, but the, one of the biggest um, incidents where he felt so sorry for one of the drivers was Sophia Flersch. You know, she uh, she got effectively cut off by someone as a complete passenger. And then while sat there, while trying to sort of fill her with the gear levers and, you know, the gear paddles and reset the computers and do all this, restart a car, she just gets T-boned by another car that just didn't see her in the dark. You do not want to be stationary at the end <laughs> of the Sand Strait in the dark, in the wet, with with other drivers on slick tires. Um, she got battered. But interestingly, after she got hit, she picked up her mobile phone. I, I didn't even know Le Mans drivers ha- kept mobile phones in the cars. This might be something new. It feels like there's, there's a car mobile phone. And she called the pit garage. She was like, listen, I cannot get it out of neutral, cannot Probably find it. Probably fail safe. And she was talking through it, an actual mobile phone. This is the woman that went headfirst into a media gantry at Macau. You know, she's made of steel. Very, Um, very big crash that was. You know, statistically, it's one of those ones eight inches either way and she'd have had it. It was, you know, horrific accident. Um, But, you know, a remarkable racer and, yeah, sad relatively early end to her Le Mans uh, 2021, but she'll be back undoubtedly. Uh, Sai, you want to talk about Fall undoubtedly for a moment there? No, I just want to celebrate that Villa just scored their sixth goal. But um, also... Um, <laughs> like they just won the championship, so... Si. <laughs> yeah, we've just beaten Barrow, whatever Barrow. league they're in. Um, but no, I was just wondering if she was just waiting for the ROC. <laughs> she might have just called a, a recovery, that's right, <laughs> on the back of her bank card. Who am I with? Like everyone does inside a motorway. It's like, I don't even know who I'm with. Come and pick me up. Um, right, two two facts for you, though. There are two... Um, well, so Le Mans has this... Uh, WC has this wonderful entry for for rich people to go and play racing and it's called the gentleman driver so you know steeped in um patriarchy and white male privilege i'm sure but (laughs) you know the gentleman driver essentially you can pay your way into a team or own a team and pay to drive and some of them are excellent drivers in their own right uh and, and you know not to take away from merit because competing at that level is you have to be good so um, over the years, though, there have been various celebrities as well have dipped their toe in, uh, be their own teams or race or whatever. 
Um, but what uh, these two caught my eye because I didn't know about uh, well, I didn't know about either of these, but one of them is much more exciting to me than the other. None other than Buzz Lightyear himself, Tim Allen, has raced at Le Mans. Hmm. Right? Did that not blow your mind a little bit? It did mine. Buzz Lightyear Wh- racing when? at Le Mans. 2000, apparently. Tim Allen raced at Le Mans in 2000. Yes. No. Big race fan. Big race fan. And Cy, in 2014, here's one for you. I think he might have owned a race team or still does. I don't know. um, Until quite recently. uh, I could be wrong on that one. Um, Fabian Bartes. Mm. 2014. The legendary Manchester United goalkeeper. And France. um, Who once got sent off for taking a piss by the goalpost during a 90-minute football match. Um, There has been loads of celebrities that have raced there. Um, A a little-known Steve McQueen was pretty famous for having a few stints as well, I believe. Absolutely. And Paul Hollywood in the Aston Martin in the Aston Martin Support Cup a few years back. There you go. Mr. Baker himself. The Baker. Paul Hollywood. Mr. Hollywood himself. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Mr. Hollywood himself. <laughs> All right. So that's enough of our highlights in the week ahead. Um, thanks so much for checking that out and telling us what's been on your uh, table of fancy this week, gentlemen. Um, if you want to shout out with what's been keeping you excited, please get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram at WednesdayPod on either. Here we are, gentlemen. Into the meatiest of middles for this week. Uh, Sai, kick us off. Uh, what have you got for us this week, Sai? So, um, as you both uh, very, very professionally didn't watch the video I sent to you on Saturday, um, it's very good of you. I'm going to kick us off with, and once again, I know for new listeners to the podcast, I do talk about wrestling. Is it a sport? It's sports entertainment. Just get over it. I'm going to talk about it. Um, so overall, uh, there was a massive, massive, massive debut on AEW Rampage, the start of their second show, which airs on Friday. The, well, I should say former wrestler, now current wrestler again, CM Punk, who hasn't wrestled since leaving the WWE in 2014, is now back to a rapturous applause and uh, massive amounts of um, screaming fans, crying fans, uh in Chicago, he debuted at the United Center, uh, which is the home stadium of the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, yeah, what a wonderful occasion. You, sh- you should all watch it. It's on, if you Google AEW, it'd be one of the first videos up there. If you can see it, see that reaction. That's like attitude era pop. A pop is when the crowd goes crazy. It is insane. And yeah, just an amazing coup for AEW. Why is it important? I was going to go into a history of it, but I don't think it's overly important. CM Punk himself is a a famous wrestler within within the wrestling circles. Didn't branch out like maybe The Rock or Stone Cold as much, but within wrestling circles is is one of people's most favorite uh, wrestlers. He's forty two now, so you know in wrestling terms, still got a few years left to to make his mark um, on AEW. And yeah, their ratings with a not surprised because it was kind of the worst kept secret. It was flirted at for weeks and weeks, but, um, uh, you know, he came in, he gave AEW rampages on its second show, uh, a 400,000 fan increase. Um, and dynamite, which airs on Wednesday, will be a, a probably even similar increase. And you're probably looking easily probably going to at least 1.5 and nearly 2 million fans watching AEW. considering at one point they were down to about 600,000. That's a massive bump. So, uh, yeah, 
it's it's fantastic. Um, you know, it's another blow for the WWE who are hemorrhaging wrestlers and money and uh you know and popularity at a, at a staggering rate and you know i'm just really excited about the whole situation and really excited about what the future holds for AEW. and as i said there's a few more people to come probably we're talking about daniel bryan uh potentially coming in they're talking about bray wyatt also known as the fiend who's uh, had a lot of traction over the last five or six years um yeah just really exciting times for AEW and you know, a great time to watch wrestling. I think we need competition. It's like anything. If you give competition, then it breeds innovation, success, good storylines, people pushing it to the limit rather than just comfort. WWE have been coasting for years. They've never paid their wrestlers health insurance, never given them any support with their operations or anything like that. They're uh, bunny is independent contractors. And it's these big signings like this which pushes AEW to the next level and uh, to real, real competition for the WWE. And yeah, I said I can't be more excited for for what's to come. Were you most w- excited that it was in your sporting mecca of Chicago? I mean, that is awesome as well. The actual <laughs> um, event was being called the First Dance, which obviously is awesome as well. Uh, reference to the Last Dance, which is the documentary oh, yeah. we talked about earlier. Um, yeah, just all around. I mean, CM Punk is from Chicago, so it's like hometown hero as well. Um, yeah, it was about five to ten thousand fans crammed into that arena to watch his his return. And yeah, you should watch that video, lads. It, the the pop itself, the electricity, the charge is awesome. Yeah, you say about WWE not sort of looking after their superstars uh, or their wrestlers. I think they they have notoriously looked after the big draws. Mm. Um, Brock Lesnar's back, right? WWE. Yes, Brock Brock Lesnar made his return at SummerSlam. Uh, John Cena also came back recently, so they are doing everything they can to bring back their big guns. Um, but you know, is it a leaning towards part time wrestlers again, which is something that they've been you know, accused of over the last few years. Rock came back and wrestled something like four matches in one year. Um, So overall, yeah, a bit of desperation rather than long-term success for the WWE with these signings. You know, Brock Lesnar is an acquired taste to watch his matches. Uh, You know, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I I can only hope for the future and for any of us that will actually enjoy wrestling, this is going to improve the standards and for the people who work in it, improve the quality and the the revenue streams that they have. Because as I said, WWE have owned a roost for since WWE, uh, WCW went down in two thousand one. They have just been basically basically unopposed for that entire period of time. So to have a real opposition, I think, is going to increase the standards of everything. Thank you, Simon. That's the AEW roundup. Uh, the CM Punk story. Uh, I, I promise I'll go and check that video out. You should. You should. Shame I, on not, you, Daniel. I'm not going to lie. If it's if it's taken me all these years not to be into wrestling, unlikely one video will do it. But I'm always open, open it's, to change, open to new it's stuff. It's the moment, man. It, it does, I'm not expecting you to change completely. I mean, I can watch um, highlights of the Tour de France. Doesn't mean I like watching blokes cycling around a bloody hill. But you know, <laughs> it's it's all good. The, the moment alone is fantastic. I'll check it out. Thanks for that. Uh, right, Ben, moving on to you. You've got a, a couple of sports to throw at us during the meeting middle. What have you got for us? You said it was the first dance in the AEW. Yes. 
and then the last dance. And did anyone see Michael Antonio's save the last dance uh, victory celebration when he scored uh, the goal for West Ham, which made him the highest hammer scorer of all time? No. I didn't. No. Okay, that's worth watching as well. <laughs> he uh, did the Save the Last Dance uh, uh, spin and kiss with a cardboard cutout of himself, <laughs> which I thought was quite fantastic. Uh, let's move swiftly on to Ben's meatiest of middles. I basically want to talk about two sports that I have neglected a lot. We're meant to be the multi-car park sports podcast. <laughs> Orgasm orgasm team um so let's listen uh let's talk about different sports (laughs) i don't know what's going on today uh first of all is boxing because of the youtube stars i genuinely can't stand i've been drifting away from it massively i really have absolutely cannot give two flying fucks about the, the logans the pauls whatever the goddamn names are um and mlb major league baseball i was an addict in the early noughties I mean, absolute addict. It was on Channel 5. I used to stay up and watch it. I absolutely loved it. Boston Red Sox fan. I've not watched a full game for over a decade now. Um, So I thought it was time I kind of caught up. Now let's start with boxing. And I want to begin with the legend that is Manny Pacquiao. Uh, He lost what many believe was his last fight would have been his last fight against uh, your Dennis Ugas. Never heard of that guy. Uh, but he got beat pretty comfortably. Um, it feels it feels like Pacquiao has been doing this forever. Uh, si, I probably agree with me there. He's, he's basically a 20-year-old veteran with records coming out of his butt. But it just feels like Manny Pacquiao has been a boxer ever since I was aware of people fighting in rings. Um, he's humble, funny, rapid. Aside from your primary school. Um, and <laughs> uh, characters like uh, the Pac-Man uh, are basically reason the reason many people fall in love with boxing. Stark contrast to the YouTube wannabes that uh, I despise that uh, just look for the exhibition payday. I got pretty, he got ba- it got beat pretty bad by Ugas, and if he does retire, um, he will be regarded as one of the best to ever do it. I want to say that Pacquiao he leaves behind a legacy that will not re- might not be repeated, um, and uh, doesn't even seem real to be in that level of professional boxing uh, for such a long period. He's the only boxer uh, to be a world champion in four different decades, the only man to win world titles in eight weight divisions. Eight divisions. Can you believe that? Mm. Uh, nobody um, has ever sailed through weight after weight with such success. Being able to go up and down over 20 kilos, 72 professional fights, 62 wins. Sai, I mean, you know Pacquiao. You've obviously watched him fight. What do you think of him? You make it sound like I actually know him personally. Uh, you do hi, know Manny. Him personally, no? hi, Manny, if you're listening. Close um, friends. So, um, yeah, I mean, a fantastic fire, lightning quick hands, um, bit old school in some of the ways he trained and, and performed. I mean, his younger days, he did something like a thousand sit-ups in a day or something crazy. You know, another guy, we talked about Kobe, another another man who was very much into his prep, working hard as he could to get to the best shape he can. Um, it's just a shame, that obviously, over the last few years, he lost his mystique. Um, he's had a couple of bad knockouts, a couple of bad defeats, which have, and a couple of bad injuries that have kind of slowed him down and and taken away that mystique. I mean, if you looked at him in his pomp when he took out Ricky Hatton, um, it's also a shame that we never got uh, 
uh, he versus Mayweather when they were both in their prime? Because I'll be honest, I think Pacquiao would have wiped the floor with Mayweather. I think Mayweather ducked the big fights until he knew he could beat these guys. Um, and yeah, you know, I think it is time. I think you do start to take your legacy with these big losses against everyone. You know, one-sided defeats. Uh, in the end, who are you going on for? And talk for many years i think about him going into political career after this so maybe he could jump start that because he's certainly loved by his um you know his home country of the philippines for certain yeah when you Before, say dan when you say uh, old school training what i had in my head was a montage with eye of the tiger yeah exactly he the Ro- rocky actually stole that from manny pacquiao <laughs> i mean I so. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory on pacquiao in a minute dan have you, have you heard of manny pacquiao I have actually, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you watch this guy fight, absolutely incredible. I think a couple of matches, a couple of bouts rather, he was just laughing during, you know, between rounds, so happy. Uh, you mentioned the Ricky Hatton fight. I think he smashed him in two rounds. He was playing darts with him a couple of days later. Really lovable guy. Uh, and I think he lost on points to Mayweather um, in what was quite a controversial victory, even when... Um, they were kind of just off their own primes, like you say. But Dan uh, and Sai, listen to this. Pacquiao was raised in abject poverty in the Philippines, uh, General Santos City. And this was underlined by his father killing and eating their pet dog for food. At this point, Pacquiao ran away from home, heartbroken, heartbroken that his dad had killed and eaten their pet dog and lived on the streets in Manila selling donuts to make money. Wow. I mean, he is, like you say, side probably going to go into politics. Uh, the amount of money, the amount of uh, help uh, back home that he's done in Philippines, used his career to do, is incredible. Um, absolute legend. We might not see him fight again. Uh, Why I'm staying on boxing, world t- heavyweight title fight, doesn't get bigger than that, I guess. Uh, Joshua Usyk, 25th of September. Joshua calling it a fight for the brain. I'm calling it a fight for the bin. Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, three. This is dubbed once for all um, garbage. October 9th in Nevada. Jesus, man. Why Fury and Joshua not fighting? We've talked about it at length already this year. Um, Every boxing fan is in the same corner uh, in disgust at those two fights. But let's be honest, we're probably going to watch them anyway. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to move on to Major League Baseball. Um, Dan, I know you're a massive, massive MLB fan. Well, I, I have to say, you know, I, I forced the inclusion of Major League Baseball when I uh, ham-fisted our logo together for the podcast at the very beginning. <laughs> like I say, I've probably not watched a full MLB match <laughs> in a decade. Uh, and suddenly we start a podcast and it's thrust into the limelight. Um, I said <laughs> last week I'd delve into it a little bit more following that fantastic story. Um, of the no-hitter, uh, no-hitting electrician, Tyler Gilbert. Uh, so I watched Moneyball, uh, you know, absolute great, to remind myself of Billy Bean to turning the Oakland A's into uh, a baseball powerhouse. Um, I'll move away from the Hollywood stylings of Brad Pitt. Uh, Detroit Tigers, Miguel Cabrera hit his 500th home run. Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera was was hitting home runs when I was watching baseball week in, week out. He's been around basically 20 years as well, another long-term veteran. He's only the 28th player in history to reel, reach that milestone, get my words out. 
Um, he has a career batting average of 0.311. Isaac Glazen over there, Dan. That's pretty good. That's pretty uh, good. At a time when... Tell me what that means. Tell me what that ratio means. Basically, it's a batting average. So it's the number of hits divided by at-bats. The, the amount of times you're there, you know, the amount of times you get onto base. A hit is onto base. could even be a walk or a punt, that kind of thing. Um, it's usually reported to kind of three decimal places. Um, but anything over 0.3 is exceptional, mm-hmm. especially nowadays. Uh, the league-wide batting average is lowest since 1968. So, yeah, wow. absolutely Is that because of the pace of the balls that are being thrown at them? Ah, this sticky stuff, the sticky yeah. substance which they're putting onto the ball, which means it makes this incredible spin. And for some reason, MLB have decided not to ban it. There is massive talks around the uh, the chairman, the owners, the organisers of MLB. Major League Baseball is going to get changed in the next five to ten years. I mean, overhauled. I don't know the answers. They might be reducing innings. They might be reducing pitch size. They might be re- taking away these sticky substances. MLB is in a bit of a rut, but we're still seeing records broken, Si. Yeah, I mean, it just seems farcical in a in a country where, in American sport, it is an obsession to score points. I mean, basketball, American football, that you have a situation where you're reducing the number of points scored in a game because people aren't able to hit these balls. I remember you shared a link a while ago. This must be about three or four months ago, maybe. But, you know, there were the, this sticky substance was used so much that, you know, balls could be picked up with with ease by people with one finger, basically, just because it was covered in this this sticky substance, which is, it's just cheating. Um, the NFL had it in the 80s where they had a substance called stickum. Uh, basically meant that all the defenders had this on their hands and even though they weren't necessarily great at catching it um, if uh, the quarterback threw it over then it would just stick to your hands if he went anywhere near you um, it's cheating it's it's not just getting a, a, an advantage due to athleticism or anything else it's just cheating so um, surely want a situation where we're getting more points um, rather than a situation where we're getting more 1-0 wins in, in baseball. Because I'll be honest, baseball's a long game, and if you see one run in an entire game, that's a long game to watch. Jeez. What are the fans saying about this, Ben? I mean, what, what, is, the, what is the backlash from, from the crowd? You know, the people that are sat there in the stadiums watching these, uh, you know, Fenway Park, you know, you've got a crowd full. What are they saying when they see, you know, they go, they pay their money, they go and watch the team, their beloved team, and they get one run. What, what What's the kickback from that? New school versus old school. That, that, is the, that is the direct discussion right now. It's diehard, long-term baseball fans saying that it shouldn't change. They should just adapt. Hitters need to get better. Uh, and there's a new school saying, listen, it just has to be a much more exciting sport. And maybe the reason that cricket bought in 2020 or the 100, they realize that these long, drawn-out you know, test series equivalents like uh, Sai says, nine innings with no hitters. I mean, no hitters are impressive, obviously, pitching reasons. But, you know, one, one nils, two ones, two. That wasn't what it was 20 years ago when I was watching uh, week in, week out. It, it was exciting. You could see uh, many home runs in an evening. I mean, incredible. It was like Villa you know. playing Barrow. Yes. Six nil. <laughs> Every six night. Nil. <laughs> Every game. Villa, Villa versus the late dish team Barrow. Um, yeah, back in the day, you know, with your Sammy Sosas and your Barry Bonds, it was just, it was just hitting after hitting. It was actually incredible to watch. And Roger Clements, the great pitcher. Man, I love that guy. I think he played for the Astros. I love MLB and I want to get back into it. I want to feel that love again. Um, and maybe I will. The old school kind of new school conversation has been very relevant this week in football, soccer. 
because the Premier League referees have reverted to an old school way of letting uh, the game flow. And there's been some, you know, response, heated response from Solskjaer, Klopp, saying it's not acceptable, players are going to get injured. What do you do in sport? Do you keep it relevant and exciting? Do you keep it the same as it used to be? I don't know. I don't have the answers. Is, but... is someone going to not feed someone's child now as a result? Oh, God. Solskjaer. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> You're impressed. I remember that. I also uh, was impressed at how you in, you hid your impressedness of me knowing the name of a stadium in Boston, Fenway Park. Mm. I knew you just Googled Fenway Park. No, I didn't. And do you know why I know it? It's because the Drop Family Murphys played oh. a gig there at the beginning of lockdown last year. Um, they played in the middle of Fenway Park. It was pretty cool, to be fair. Yeah, I think so, Fenway Park is regarded as one of the great sporting venues around the world. Yeah. Right, Ben, thank you ever so much for bringing, finally, Major League Baseball into the fold, into the multi-tool, into the multi-story car park and whatever else Simon wants to call it. Um, that's it for this week's Meeting Middles. If you've got anything you want to chat about on Major League Baseball, boxing, um, or AEW, then please do get in touch with us on Twitter, on Instagram, at WednesdayPod. And here we are. That's it. We are rapidly heading towards the end of this show um simon's giving me the look ben's giving me the look that means it's time to wrap up um si what is on your radar for the week ahead um so just more of the same to be honest uh, not to be boring or anything but aew cm punk's debut uh on aew dynamite is going to be very exciting i uh, see a big jump in the ratings for that one uh interesting to see what it plans they have for him in the future and the NFL preseason. So, you know, as I said, after this game, after the third game, which all the games will be finished by Monday, I believe, um, there's going to be massive cuts. Squads are going to be basically halved in size. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who gets, let's get, who gets let go and who carries on um, and, and go from there, really. But, you know, we're going to get very soon to the, the real exciting stuff and... Uh, uh, in the NFL, and I can't wait because uh, it's been a long time. It's a, a long time before, between the Super Bowl and, and the first game. So, very excited to see where that goes. Well, as you so beautifully slid into your conversation earlier, if you want to uh, deeper dive into the NFL, don't forget to check out uh, Simon's other show, The Media Mogul, that is on shutdown coverage. You can find them uh, on all your favorite podcast platforms. Um, ben, what have you got for us in the week ahead? So the Paralympics got underway yes. today. Uh, I kind of missed the Olympics a month ago now, so I'm super yeah. excited to, to follow the Paralympics. We've got some brilliant shouts in many, many sports. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to, to waking up in the morning and uh, watching sport for an hour or two with my coffee. Uh, well, I not- think I, I, the reason I slightly tuned out earlier is I was actually looking at the Channel 4 schedule for, for what's coming up, and they've got some great coverage to be fair uh more four i think is a rolling uh now dedicated channel for uh paralympics uh so every day from 7 30 a.m they've got paralympics breakfast through to the end of the day uh, 10 to 11 they've got the last leg live from london so you know full well it's going to be glorious coverage and um you know my three-year-old hasn't stopped talking about the olympics it's made an impression on him uh and i like you ben i can't wait to start watching the sport out of the paralympics it's going to be phenomenal 
Yeah, I mean, get ready to be motivated um, and just... Uh, it's going to be brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And uh, the Olympics is going to carry on for another couple of weeks. And hopefully we will have a guest who's currently competing in the Paralympics on the show in a couple of weeks. I'm not going to drop any names Maybe next week I shall. A um, couple of other big notes coming up. The US Open. Uh, wow. The prize money is huge. $57 million will be rewarded to this as participants in this year's US I can, Open. I can go and walk around a park for an hour or two. $57 million. $57 million. Obviously, one person does not get that. They've actually reduced the men's and women's singles champions uh, take home. It's only $2.5 million each, which is pretty harsh. It's half a million less than it was uh, 12, 12 months ago. Uh, the rest of the money is in towards kind of... Um, uh, the earlier rounds, so uh, divvied out a little bit uh, more fair. Um, And also Liverpool versus Chelsea, I want to tie on, that's coming up this weekend. Lukaku versus Virgil van Dijk. Twitter was ablaze with excitement for this. Cannot wait for the weekend. Um, And on on the back of that with their football, I want to mention uh, that uh, Villa, uh, I think tonight, have have beat Barrow by, I don't know, six goals or something like that. (laughs) But they will not be involved in Thursday night's Champions League draw. It's for the big teams, Thursday night. Um, so, Sai will walk away in disgust now. Uh, <laughs> the he's literally taking his headphones off and walking gone. off. He's he actually like it. left the room. Wow. The Champions League draw on Thursday, Dan, is excellent. What I'm going to do is I'm going to live tweet the group stages from the last Wednesday account. And uh, drop a bit of conversation. Is this like the same way that you're going to put the uh, fantasy Premier League things in the Twitter account? How many times do you want me to put it on, Dan? (laughs) Well, do it at the same time this time, at the right time. I I, I've done it every two (laughs) days now for two weeks. I will. I'll do even more. Making up for it, Dan. Listen, you are (laughs) bottom last of the FPL fantasy Premier League. It's. You've it's embarrassing for who isn't last, frankly. You got a lot. Who of work is to last, do. rather? <laughs> anyway, um, thank you, Ben, and thank you, Simon, for that look ahead to the week ahead. And that's all we have time for on this, the last Wednesday of the week. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Um, if again, if you have anything you want to add or just say to us, then please find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wednesday Pod. But. All that's left to say, really, for this week is, I've been Dan. I've been Ben. Simon's walked off in disgust, or to celebrate (laughs) Villa winning a game. I don't know which. Um, Until next week, be kind.